0: Hey, and welcome to the latest episode of the Edgar Rice Burroughs podcast, where we celebrate the fiction of the greatest adventure writer of the 20th century. My name is Tim DeForest. I am the author of several books on 20th century pop culture, um, including the pulp magazines that Burroughs published his stories in. And with me tonight are...
1: Jess Terrell, and you would know me from the Facebook discussion group, The Love of All Things Edgar Rice Burroughs.
2: And Scott. Scott Stewart. I'm Scott Stewart, uh, current editor of Herb Appa, and uh, on Facebook, a combination of related interests called uh, Street Corner Sideshow and Curiosity Shop.
0: Okay, and tonight we are going to be talking about um, uh, Burroughs' 1914 novel, The Mucker. Uh, But before we get to that, um, we want to deal with with the trivia question. Uh, The trivia question from last time was answered correctly. Um, and I don't remember what the trivia question was. I forgot to write it down. So, <laughs> but we have a fan named John who answered it correctly and won a copy of um, the, the Fires of, of Halos. I'm always saying that um, that the, the Victory Harbor, I know I'm mispronouncing the title every time I say it. And I apologize to Chris Carey if he's listening. It's Fires of Halos, Fires of Halos. How do you say it? Um, I'll say Halos. Okay. Anyway, um, it's a great novel. We uh, go back and listen to the episodes where we reviewed it. So it's absolutely wonderful read. Um, And uh, um, anyway, uh, John won a copy of that. We appreciate his listening to the podcast. And um, I know he's already emailed me that he's received the prize. And so we are going to have a new trivia question tonight. And the winner of this trivia question will win a copy of the authorized, the new authorized edition of Tarzan and the City of Gold with just one of those absolutely breathtaking Joe Jusco covers on it. Um, I really hope that they eventually put out a book of just Jusco's artwork for the series um, because every cover he's done is absolutely magnificent. Um, and this one is for Tarzan and the City of Gold. And to win this, you have to submit the correct answer to the trivia question to our Gmail account. And I will be, I'll be giving you the Gmail account. It will also be down in the notes for this show. Whatever, whatever podcast platform you're using to listen to this, it'll be there. Um, so submit the question there. If you post it on a social media account or any other place, it won't count. You need to send it to the Gmail to be an official entry. And we've often gotten more than one correct answer. So if we do get more than one correct answer, we will be randomly choosing from amongst those Uh, to see who wins the, who wins the copy of Tarzan and the City of Gold. So tonight's trivia question is, what was the name of Lord Tennington's yacht? Um, And that's it. So if you know the name of the yacht, um, just send an email to eggersmailbag at gmail.com. Once again, submit the question to the Gmail account to be considered for the contest. And uh, this email will also be in the show notes. So mailbag at gmail.com, send us the answer to the question, what is the name of Lord Tennington's yacht, and you'll be in the running to win a copy of the new authorized edition of Tarzan and the City of Gold. Um, So that's the trivia contest, and we have no other special features this time, Um, so we're going to dive right into talking about the novel. And as usual, I'm going to be, we all three of us reread the novel in preparation for doing this and made notes about it. But to make sure we don't leave anything out, when I do chapter summaries, as usual, I'm going to be using the chapter summary that was posted on erblist.com. This is just an incredibly useful resource for us. It reviews the publication history of the book and gives us a chapter-by-chapter summary. So I'll occasionally be very close to paraphrasing or quoting directly from these excellent summaries when when I summarize the book. Uh, When we give our opinions of each chapter, that'll be us, original content. But um, um, uh, the the summary itself uh, is, is from ERB List, and we appreciate the resource and the people who who spent a lot of time preparing these summaries uh, for for reference for just anyone who needs them. So anyway, The Mucker, it was published in All-Story Cavalier in 1914. Its sequel, which we'll be talking about in our next episode, Return of the Mucker, was published in All-Story Weekly two years later in 1916. They were published together in book form for the first time in 1921. Um, They've been published both directly, reprinted both uh, individually and together a number of times through the years. I think most notably the Ace paperback with that awesome Frank Frazetta cover on it, which is, I believe, where I first read the story years ago, because that's that's a cover that kind of forces you to buy the book. Um, and so we're going to go one chapter of the time through the first part of the, of the for, through the mucker, um, discussing it as we go. So we'll start with chapter one which is titled Billy Byrne, who is the mucker. By the way, the mucker is an old fashioned term now. It used to mean somebody of like low regard, low moral character. Uh, It had other meanings as well, but that's the way Burroughs is using it here. So when he's constantly referring to Billy as the mucker, he's referring to him as basically a low life thug. Um, And in this first chapter, we learn that Billy was raised in the tough part of Chicago. Um, there's, you know, to quote exact, to quote directly from the novel, his kindergarten education had commenced in the, in the in an alley back of the feed store. So he he learned to be a bully. He learned to insult women just for fun. Um, he drank. He stole. Um, he uh, got into a fight with a guy named Sheehan when he was 12 years old, and that um, inspired him to take boxing lessons and this will come back in the last chapter of this of this particular book. Uh, that will be significant, but um, you know it, he does have a background in learning how to box. and he was good enough to where the guy who ran the local gym uh, said wanted him to go straight, to give up the petty crimes he committed and to concentrate on being a boxer. But Billy never did that. He liked drinking and carousing and uh, just being a jerk too much. Now, one night after he had actually robbed somebody's saloon, he sees three guys beating up a cop named Stanley Lasky. And these are guys from outside his immediate neighborhood. So they are outsiders. They're not supposed to be doing stuff in his neighborhood. So he jumps to Lasky's rescue. Um, He doesn't really care for the cop, but by golly, this is a territorial thing. So he saves the cop. So thereafter, whenever Billy and, the, and Lasky, the patrolmen, see each other, they just give a little nod to each other. They've got that connection, and this comes back to help Billy, where um, he finds out from Lasky that Billy, uh, that Sheehan, Billy's old enemy, uh, had con- had accused Billy uh, of the involvement in a recent murder, and that the cops were looking for Billy. Billy was not guilty of this particular murder but he knows the cops aren't gonna believe that. So he hops a train and he ends up in San Francisco and he goes to a tavern where he's just looking to mug a sailor. But instead some sailors get him drunk and as the chapter end, he passes out. They either get him drunk enough to pass out or they slip him a Mickey, one or the other, because he's being shanghaied as we'll find out in the next chapter. So that is chapter one. Um, I think Burroughs does a great job of giving us Billy's background um and and explaining what his character is like very succinctly and this is just almost a short story in of itself and i think it's done very well what do you guys think
1: well i would certainly agree that it's well done and i would i would say that it is a uh, story of there's different terms you can use for a story of transformation Mm -hmm. a story of redemption is a word that burroughs might might use and even you could call it a story of metamorphosis, and this is where the character that we find him in this state of being a, crime, a criminal and a thug. In fact, in fact, Burroughs, this is a quote here: uh, "Billy was a mucker, a hoodlum, a gangster, a thug, and a toughie. Mm-hmm. That's quite a resume he's got there. Mm-hmm. So, that, that, so, so that that's that's how he is perceived by the community. Anybody who knows him, including the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and But he does, we'll find out he goes through the transitions. I said you could call it a transformation or a metamorphosis. Um, oh, and also there's another quote here. His mother started him on a life of crime and an age where most boys were just entering grammar school. That doesn't say a whole lot about his upbringing, does it? He, he grew um, up,
0: yeah, his mother does not come across as a very sympathetic character.
1: Exactly. He grew up, too, through adolescence, dodging all forms of honest labor, making a living instead through crimes so that, that's what we're dealing with here but he goes through a transformation and in fact some scholars w- would uh liken billy's transformation here that we're going to find out about it would liken it to um uh, waldo and the cave girl and the transformation he went through granted waldo was waldo was an okay guy he was a bookworm never stepped outside of a library highly and well educated from book learning which i'm a fan of myself but did not have any practical, real-world experience. But he went through a transformation. He got stuck on the island with the cave girl, and uh, and then boo the monster man over there, he overcame the, he, he lost his memory as as, as known no one that happened, and and he thought he was a he was just going what people were calling him, and he thought he was a monster. But he overcame that. So and then Tarzan, of course, went through a transformation. It was a helpless little infant, and then given some time, he was able to um, to uh, compensate for his shortcomings and. And, and develop the muscles and such to, um, to um, uh, be, not only survive in the jungle, but to, to lead the Mangani. So these are all stories of transformation, which we're also going to see here, here from Billy Byron. I've talked enough, you all say so. <laughs>
2: well, I think uh, of course, uh, Chicago ERB was born there and lived there. Uh, um, uh, so I think in a way he has a little more personal take on that. Not that he lived in this exact neighborhood, upbringing but uh, it strikes me as maybe his most socially conscious writing he's always talked about class structure and barbarians or being raised by other tribes or uh, Native Americans, uh, war chief and stuff like that Um, uh, but the societal aspect of it from an American city and and slum district is I think uh, a whole different take than we're usually used to of course we'll see The locations get more exotic and Mm -hmm. just mentioned the cave girl we're going to see some similarities to that too but uh, it strikes me as a uh, it's a different type of storytelling Uh, Mm -hmm. very well done very uh, uh, very mature and uh, in a way may even kind of elevate a little bit out of pulp which I love pulp it's not a diss on pulp but into more mainstream uh, literature. Uh, I think as uh, Richard Lupoff who put this in his short list of top four or five Edgar Rice Burroughs books. If a person wants to read and see what he's capable of, this would be one of them to do.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I think we see here is Burroughs makes it very clear that Billy is a product of his environment, but he still holds Billy morally responsible for his actions. You know, it's we sympathize with Billy uh, and who he grew up to be as a thug because he didn't have much chance to be anything else. But Burroughs does not say that excuses him. You know, um, in the end, he has to, you know, part of his transformation is acknowledging that the things he did in the past were morally wrong um, and that he had a responsibility for that. So it's a nice moral balance. It It shows, sincerely shows that Billy uh was it you know his upbringing was such where he didn't have much of a chance but it doesn't excuse billy from moral responsibility and the decisions he makes as a young man um it's got a nice balance of just it reminds me it's a completely different sort of writer but charles dickens did the same thing he could yeah. vividly condemn the way the poor were treated in in london at that time in england but he would still um hold his characters morally responsible for when they did bad things um it's it's a nice and I think appropriate balance um and Burroughs does it very well here um and Jess just to respond the parallels to other character transformations in Burroughs I think Waldo and the caveman cave girl is the best one it's it's almost the exact opposite you had um a moral man who had to do a physical transformation to become more worthwhile. And here you have a guy who's already, like, physically exceptional, but he needs a moral um, um, uh, uh, transformation. Um, Now I want to see a story where Billy and Baldo team up to fight crime or something, form a private item. (laughs) So, so, that would be cool. cool. Um, But it's it's a really great parallel. But uh, I agree that E.R.B. does those sorts of transformations a lot and generally does them very well. They're believable character arcs. It kind of reminds, I'm going to refer to yet another classic author, Jack London. He he wrote Call of the Wild, where Buck was a spoiled pet who has to learn to be, um, you know, a, a, a wild dog in the end. You know, he has that transformation where then london wrote white fang which started out with this like half dog half wolf in the wild completely savage and eventually had to be tamed and ended up a pet back in the states so um um, kind of like um uh, you know billy is is white fang and waldo was buck so (laughs) in a way
1: it's a good analysis in both both cases it's a story of adapting to the the changing conditions which Mm -hmm. is another one of Burroughs' themes Yeah. Now,
0: do you guys think we see a hint of Billy's um, that uh, a hint of of traits in Billy that might help him help him along in his redemption later? Uh, he, he's obviously, you know, a criminal and unrepentant about it at this point. But he does have some idea of honor in that mm-hmm. when the cops being beaten up and he normally wouldn't care less if a cop got killed. But mm-hmm. it's it, it's this territorial thing. This is his territory. And so there are rules he does obey. Um, so, and then that maybe that's just a little bit of something there, even though it's not attached to anything—a strong moral sensibility—that can be built upon later. That might help, like show how Billy was able to accept that he needed to be redeemed. Does that make it, sense?
1: It, it does. And, and to build on that point, uh, Billy may have learned that by by coming in there and helping out with Lasky during that, that time when Lasky was being beat upon, that he and Lasky developed a kind of a loose, unofficial friendship or acknowledgement mm-hmm. of each other, because they yeah. would kind of nod when they saw each other. Mm-hmm. And then Lasky, and we may not be to this part in the story yet, but Lasky comes to him later on and warns him about a situation. Yes, yeah, that, that happens at the end of this chapter. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and, and my point is here that with the acknowledgement, and then later on, getting this morning, because Lasky did not have to do that. Um, that that Billy may recognize, gee, there's some benefit to having a cop for a friend. Now, how do mm-hmm. I get to be friends with cops? We'd be nice to them as a way to do it. Yeah. So, and, and now I don't. That's not said, said verbatim in in um, by Burroughs, but it certainly seems plausible to me that Billy could come to that conclusion because, uh, despite his shortcomings, he he is intelligent enough to notice what other people are doing.
0: Yeah um because in an analogous situation a completely unrepentant villain like say Nicholas Rokoff would have just let the cop kill get killed and not cared mm-hmm. um so Billy has some sense of this is right and this is wrong even if it's a skewed sense at this point and so you have that little bit that little seed in there that can sprout later when he when he um starts to like you know start really starts his redemption story arc
2: I so, think he, he recognizes and, and you'll see this in, you know, whether it's real life or not, but in stories, whether it's the Godfather or this story, that the characters who survive have to, and a lot of them don't survive regardless, but have to recognize as loose as it may be, there is a social construct. Mm. There are there's a perimeter, there are boundaries, they do not cr- cross and limits that they live within just because of day-to-day survival, that Arneke is going to destroy everybody. So they do have to have some sort of base, some sort of line of rules uh, that they work with in order to get from day to day. And I think that's the part, the fact that he does recognize it most will do, but he's not a complete primal force of nature. Mm -hmm. He does, has had a condition to this that he's able to build upon in the future.
1: And, and I, I would also add here that you could say that this story is an eye opener for for some readers, okay, or whoever you know happens to pick it up. And that is uh, in today, be it be it today's world or back uh, back when this story was was set, 1920 or 1914 or whatever it was, that time period. Um, you know, you, you just really don't know what someone else is going through until you walk around in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly today we might drive through one of the, one of the rough parts of town and, and we just keep on driving if we can. And we'll look at people and, and wonder about them and the, the people who live there and and, one, and wonder uh, all about, you know, their personality, their inclinations, their motivations. How can they live like that or feel sorry for them or, or, or fuss about them either way? Um, But this story here gives you some idea of the upbringing that Billy Byron had, what his, uh, the forces that shaped his personality, his values, how he looked at life, his priorities, for example, uh, his, his opinion of women, for example, was very low. His opinion of being a gentleman (laughs) was very low. Mm -hmm. It was a question of surviving with your fists and your wits. And taking advantage of other people that's how he measured success um, so it, it reminds me a l- little bit of elvis Pre- well the song was written by mac davis as i recall elvis presley had the big hit on it and that is in the ghetto which which talked about uh, what life was like on the street for for certain people and and that song itself was a huge hit it was also an eye-opener for some the meet people pause and and try to put themselves in the other guy's shoes okay
0: that's no, very well very well put um,
1: that was Slavman okay. first.
0: Thank you. <laughs> well, we were going. We're going to move on to chapter two, which is called Shanghai, and that is literally what happened to Billy. Um, he was either, you know, rendered completely drunk or slipped a Mickey. I'm not sure if the story makes it clear which one it was. Um, but he, when he wakes up, he's at sea on a ship, um, and the first mate, a guy named Ward, comes in and tries to, um, you know, assert his authority over Billy, which doesn't work out well for for ward as billy starts to beat him to a pulp um so ward screams brings in the captain and a bunch of crew who subdue billy and he spends some time chained in the in a dark stink filled hole um you know and every day the captain visits him and beats him with a stick to teach him some discipline um you know uh, he's finally brought to the to up to the deck after um, 10 days and uh, He's, he, you know, he's in poor shape at this point, but he recovers quickly because of his just, you know, physical um, exceptionalism, and uh, you know the the fresh air and the physical work, and he doesn't have access to alcohol. All this is good for him. He actually finds that he, um, you know, he earns the respect of the crew and how hard he works, and also being able to handle himself in fights with them, um, and he gets to feel at home among the crew. Um, the fights he has with them leave no hard feelings. Um instead, he just uh, saves all the all the all, you know, as the the summary I'm reading I'm referring to on the ERB list has says, Billy saves such feelings, hard feelings for the mysterious well-bred fa- passenger of the half moon, which is the name of the ship. Um and we, we'll find out more about their mysterious well-bred passenger in a little while. But we're reminded that Billy just instinctively hates anybody who's like seems well educated and well bred, a gentleman or a lady, um, and so I think in this chapter it is interesting that Billy discovers he likes hard work. Once again, I think we're we're given another seed from which his eventual redemption arc can believably sprout. It um, none of none of his n- nothing in his redemption comes out of nowhere. It, uh, there's there's points to his character that this that. Um, a desire for uh for a better more moral existence can can sprout from um i just burroughs is putting in i think sometimes subtle foreshadowing about the the hope for his reformation um any comments from you guys about this chapter
1: oh i, I will comment I, on oh on well, go ahead uh, just uh, thank you i will comment on his newfound love of hard work yeah. and uh he was he's here he's beginning this transformation process that I spoke of. And, and he's also beginning to learn how to get along with the um, his shipmates, the, the other members of the crew. And he's appreciating, he's, he's enjoying the work, and he's appreciating the value that it brings, and, and probably the sense of accomplishment, I would imagine. Now, somewhere in through, in through here, I may be ahead of myself, and we start seeing evidence of Billy's physique. And there's a quote here, I think from this chapter, that Billy had the physique of a prized bull. That's, that's, that's Burroughs' words. Now Burroughs does not give us the uh, bo- the body fat to a muscle ratio. That stat had not been invented yet. He doesn't give us Billy's height that I can find, uh, but, but he does imply, and, and, and when we get into the boxing portion of this and we'll see a little bit more of it, but he does imply that Billy is a good-sized fellow who can take care of himself and take care of himself very, very well. And that's going to come into play here later on. And that's all Mm
2: -hmm. I have. Um, Scott, how about you? Yeah, I think we see with uh, being in a completely new place, you know, it's kind of a live or die type thing. Uh, A new form of discipline, not saying that's pleasant, but the fact that he's able to meet and move beyond this, he's given jobs and duties that he's able to do and get respect from others. I think if... We've had projects or jobs or situations in our life that may be tough, but you get through it and you find a way through it. Other people you find appreciate that or respect for you for that. Your own self-value, your self-worth, your, your uh, self-respect can grow out of that too. And so these are seeds that are planting them in a whole different direction. If this type of discipline had been similar in Chicago, it would have been in jail or prison. And then that would have been a total matter of really survival. Here, he's surviving and actually growing. He's going to move out of the place of society is known and starting up that ladder to a new type of life that he didn't. Uh, And when you start finding value in yourself, you start seeing value in other things around you. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Well well said, Scott. If I could jump back in here real quick. one of the motivations, I think, that, that Billy had for the life of crime that he started out with there in Chicago as a mugger was a yearning for excitement and adventure. Well, he gets on board this boat and the I- idea of going to faraway places and uh, encountering things he's never seen before and possibly the idea of some, possibly some kind of fighting or armed conflict, perhaps, depending on if something goes wrong. Um that began to feed his yearning for excitement and adventure in a way that he had not experienced it before. So I think that may have been a part of his finally accepting that, hey, I'm working on this boat and I'm having fun doing it. All right, go yeah. ahead. Um, yeah, no, those are all good points. Because one thing I just
0: thought of is uh, we see Billy like learning to appreciate hard work. And he's doing he would be doing this work in a disciplined manner because the ship wouldn't be able to get anywhere unless the crew had some discipline. Um, we know they're all riffraff, but they need to be following orders in general and stringing and, and putting up the sales correctly and all of that. But this really, it, it wouldn't quite be the first time because he, he did some boxing in Chicago mm-hmm. and even had the guy in the gym who wanted him to go straight and go pro. Mm-hmm. And in order to show the hope of being a good boxer, it means he had to do the the speed bag when he needed to do He had to do the jump ropes when he needed to do it. He needed to do the heavy bag and all of that. So he's had some experience with acting in a disciplined manner. Um, and since he never turned pro, he might not have followed up on that as as well as he should have if he was gonna be a boxer, but this actually won't be the first time he would have encountered the need to do hard work in a disciplined way. Um, so, um, so we had that to build on as well. Um, the more I you know, as we talk about this, I'm more and more appreciative of how much Burroughs put into Billy's character to uh, to just make him a believable hero by the time we get to the end of the book.
1: It makes me wonder with Burroughs having uh, lived in Chicago there for a while, How many uh, young fellows like Billy he saw or, or encountered and's just mm-hmm. life? That's true. So on to chapter three,
0: titled Conspira- The Conspiracy. Uh, we're going to get to know some of the bad guys here. Um, the half moon uh, gets to Honolulu in Hawaii. Um, I should mention, by the way, that it is a schooner. It is completely wind-driven. There's no engine aboard it. Um, I'd be curious to find out how common that was by 1914, because uh, probably even most sailing ships had engines in it by then. But um, Uh, the half moon does not. It's completely sailing ship because that'll be important when they get into a storm later on. Um, So two men go ashore. One is the first mate uh, Ward and the other is the second mate who uh, a Frenchman named Terriere which is how it was pronounced. I actually pulled up an audio book. I read the book rather than listen to it but I pulled up an audio book to get somebody's pronunciation of his name and this reader said Terrier. So I'm going to use that pronunciation unless somebody has what they consider a better one.
1: Well how uh, how would you pronounce count Cousinette? I mean uh,
0: his name? I don't know. I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> I'm just uh, gonna call him
1: Terrier. Fair. He'll
0: he'll be I dead. In, I, yeah. He'll I be dead in, he'll be dead in a few chapters. So I'm just gonna call him Terrier and call that. <laughs> all that. <right>. So <laughs> okay.
1: please proceed. I'm sorry yeah, I'm to...
0: that's okay. Um you know uh those are the only two that go go aside because there is a plan uh, there's a private yacht called the Lotus. It belongs to an, uh, a, an American millionaire named Anthony Harding. And that they the crew, the captain of the half moon and his officers, have a plan to capture and loot it uh, because it's reported that he's carrying like a million dollars in cash on board. So the second mate poses as a French count, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. Um, um, and Ward has to, uh, put, uh, to pose as his valet and Ward's very resentful because he outranks this guy and he, out, he outranks Derriere on the ship. So it's just, that's not an important point, pot point now, but it shows that there is tension between the bad guys. So they're establishing pretty quickly that in the end, these guys are going to be willing to backstab each other. Um, they have a letter of introduction from Larry Devine, who's a friend of the Hardings and he's the, the, the um, well-bred passenger on the half moon right now. Um, so the uh, Terrier posing as account meets the Hardings. He makes a favorable impression on them. And um, they find out where, you know, the Lotus sets sail soon after that. Um, and so, uh, but they've, um, they've got, they know where it's going now, so they can catch up and, and hijack it at sea. They've got a plan for doing that. So um, they go back to the ship. Ward is still very resentful of Terrier because he had to pretend to be his valet, even though it was for a very short time. And uh, uh, Terrier starts to make overtures to Billy to make Billy an ally. So the bad guys are, it's not a stable conspiracy here. The bad guys are all obviously plotting to double-cross each other as soon as they can. Um, Typical bad guy behavior in a lot of Burroughs novels, and in real life, I'm sure um so and i think that's like an important part of this chapter is we establishes all this tension and this potential backstabbing amongst the villains um comments from you guys on it
1: well well the the thing that that's shocked me yeah shocked me Mm -hmm. in reading this and by the way i had not looked at this book in years we've certainly just uh been well aware of it. it comes up in my discussion group a great deal but to sit down and read it from stem to stern from front to back i had not read it in years uh, but the thing that shocked me is i realized that the captain is involved in this plot mm-hmm. so so i think by definition if the, if the captain is okay with this that makes this a pirate venture they mm-hmm. should be flying it's going crossbones. i i would i would expect that not They probably want to give themselves away, but I I see this as totally illegal if everyone's on board with it in some fashion, even though they're planning on uh, stabbing each other in the back here later on. Uh, Um,
0: But yeah, the the next chapter is actually titled Piracy, so I don't think Burroughs hides
1: the fact that they are literal pirates at this point. Point point made. That's Mm -hmm. all I have. I had another point, and now it's done left me, so y'all go ahead. and Okay. Scott, any comments from you on this chapter?
2: uh i, I just i uh, enjoy the fact in this change of lo, uh, location now cuz you're thinking hawaii you're thinking honolulu kind of a paradise type thing you're mm. still not you're you're still in part of the, what even back then uh could be considered a little more civilized before some of the uncharted south sea islands that will be coming up so it's an interesting contrast of the criminal element coming into what we'd view as being upper society and a more civilized lifestyle and how these two the foreshadowing well it's more than foreshadowing it's moving that story right up into the uh next uh couple chapters we're going to see and and again Burroughs' story where the first two storytelling uh uh traditions that he usually does first couple of chapters he's setting up the main character and what's going on there and then here now he's showing and building out uh, filling out the personalities of other characters so that we'll have a better understanding when the story comes back uh uh for the, the mucker uh to be moving forward
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the the other thing i was going to say which escaped me there briefly uh was that uh, the ferrier the the, the county cadenet um uh was was uh, reaching out to billy and establishing mm-hmm. some level of friendship cooperation with him the, this is not made clear to us as to why this is mm-hmm. but it's certainly something that that comes it uh, comes up uh, later on in the story yeah say.
0: well terrier is going to have his own redemption arc in here at a very effective one obviously but at this point i think he's just picking somebody strong who could help him in a fight when he takes you know when he double crosses everybody
1: else yeah you know, that's so- a good- i would certainly agree with that mm-hmm. and, and also this also illustrates with all this all this um i, I will say all these discussions in in uh, out of, out of reach of all these bad guys are talking about double crossing each other that just just goes to show that a successful venture is is based on trusting
3: each
1: mm-hmm. other and <laughs> no matter who you are or what you're doing
3: yeah. and and
1: uh, and uh, if uh, if people have their own agenda, then that that violates trust and may, may throw the whole whole adventure. Yeah,
0: escape. you always so have a, a treasure of Sahara Madre situation where suddenly Humphrey Bogart's trying to murder you. Yes, exactly. Uh, good point.
3: Yes, good. One. Yeah.
0: All right, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, Chapter Four is called Piracy. Um, so the Half Moon sets sail. Uh, you know, the captain Sims and the first mate Ward are just they're just happy that. They got so lucky in Honolulu and found out about the with the Lotus's plan so easily. Um, when they get to the where the lotus is, Sims fl- uh, flies a distress signal and the lotus comes to help them and go to their aid. So that allows the, the crew of the half moon to, to board the lotus. They take it over violently, and uh there is a young man named Billy Mallory aboard who is uh kind of. Is he literally engaged to Barbara Harding at this point? Or is it just they have an understanding and everybody expects them to get engaged? But anyway, there's a daughter of the the yacht owner, Barbara Harding, and her boyfriend, Billy Mallory. And Billy Byrne savagely builds up, beats up Mallory. He just puts, he just beats him down completely. And both, he he thinks he's killed him. And Barbara thinks uh, Billy has murdered him as well. Uh, We don't find out till much later in the book that Billy Mallory survived uh, the beating. Then they force Barbara over uh, into the the half moon. They disable the yacht and they return to their own uh, vessel. And the chapter ends with Barbara getting an unexpected visitor, but she's now being held for eventually being, you know, uh, asking for a ransom from her, from from her rich dad. So the piracy has become a kidnapping. Um, And You know, so whatever foreshadowing we've gotten about Billy having some possibility for redemption, uh, which I think we have, I think that's honestly there. This chapter shows at this point, he is still very much a bad guy. He just savagely and brutally builds up, beats up Mallory, enjoys it because he sees Mallory as a gentleman and just hates him. um, And he thinks he kills him, but doesn't care at this point. So, um, I believe that Burroughs was dropping hints that Billy has room to for, for reformation here, but he also reminds us very harshly here that at this point in the story, Billy's still as much of a bad guy as, as everybody else on the half-minute.
1: Um, comments from you guys? Um, well, regarding the Billy, Byrne and uh, Barbara I don't want inter, interaction. I don't want to say relationship just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, regarding that interaction, I will say that she is uh, much more impressed by his appearance mm-hmm. than by his actions. And this is uh, like maybe her first impressions is is is, uh, is is based on how he looks. But she she's a typical Burroughs heroine. She's got the guts to stand up to him, and look to, look him in the face, and tell him what she thinks. Yeah, and dare him to strike her or anything like that.
0: And, and she's going to have her set of crowning moments of awesome later on in the story. She is typical in that she does need to be rescued quite often, but she can, she's got guts and when she can, she can take care of herself.
1: She can indeed. And I would also say, I'm I'm definitely jumping ahead, but mm-hmm. I would say that she is the spark that fires up his transformation, I will see later on in the story. Uh,
0: no, I believe that's very true. Um, Yeah, that. Um, You know, when Billy sees somebody that he holds co- in contempt, you know, these weak, willed rich people, mm-hmm. you know, wimpy, rich people actually acting with courage and honor. I think mm-hmm. that's a part of what drives his own redemption. And that mm-hmm. comes mostly from Barbara.
1: And I will also add here that, uh, you know, the, the old saying is opposites attract. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Opposites attract. Yeah. Uh, well, these are certainly opposite. He is a, let's see your low-born, uneducated mucker from Chicago, me Grand Avenue. She is a high-born. Cultured young lady from New York City's Riverside Drive and Burroughs' concept of society in those days, Barbara could never have lowered herself. So, bridging the gap would be Billy's job. He's got to rise up to her level mm-hmm. in order to really get her attention to form any kind of relationship with her. He's got a big job at him. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Go ahead. Scott,
0: Scott, any comments from this
2: chapter from you? Yeah. And this might be from. Uh, you know, uh, a writing, editing, instructional viewpoint. But I find it interesting <laughs> that you have two characters, which will be major characters overall, mm-hmm. uh, both named Billy. You'll find most writing classes and instructors and stuff will say, "Do not have names that people are going to get confused about." So I wonder if ERB is kind of showing this is. A, maybe not a doppelganger but an alternative billy one that came from a more privileged area that mm-hmm. came up and uh, a picture of who he could be or the role he may have to fulfill uh, to use the word jesse did uh, sparked by barbara to move up into society like that to change his his uh, uh his culture yeah. uh, inbred culture his his uh, yeah. personality like that it, it might have nothing to do it, but I just find that that uh, to be an interesting parallel. I, in I think Burroughs was
0: such, yeah, Burroughs, oh sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, keep going.
2: Oh, I was just going to say real quick, and again we see that sometimes you hear criticism of stories by Burroughs because of the time and the context they've been written from and what was acceptable in storytelling stuff, but again we see here with Barbara that he is a huge proponent for strong women and mm-hmm. women who are decisive and women who are very uh introspective maybe maybe even uh can deduce better than the men around them uh very sharp and very uh quick-witted
0: mm-hmm. um yeah and we're, we're only a uh, what barely more than a decade out of the victorian era where women were kind of like put in a box where they had this a social you know, social boundaries they weren't allowed to cross. So
2: trying trying to know, get the vote, you know, yeah, suffer. right?
0: And yeah. so, you know, Burroughs, I think, was ahead of his time in that case in having strong, decisive women who could take care
1: of themselves. Uh, uh, if I if I could jump in here, were you, you done? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, if I could jump in here real quick, I want to compliment Scott for pointing out that uh, pointing out that there were two billies in the story. I meant to I meant to mention that, forgot mm-hmm. about it. Because that aggravates me when I'm reading a story, and I've got two characters with the same <laughs> name that I really have to stop and think who's who. That's why I get my notepad out and start making notes. So, very <laughs> glad you pointed that out. But, but the other good thing that you said, which I, I'm, I'm drinking that Kool Aid too, and that is that uh, uh, Billy Mallory, get my Billy straight now, uh, was perhaps a, a reflection of, 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 of Billy Byrne that is the good reflection as opposed to the bad reflection That's what I'm trying to say here. And it could have been a message to Billy Byron. this is what you could be. This mm-hmm. is what you could have been. So I think, I think that's an excellent point that you're making there.
0: Yeah. I, I actually agree with that. I think Billy Mallory, I think the, the identical first names is done on purpose um, mm-hmm. because they are supposed to be, these are like mirror universe of each other. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, oh. if it was Spock, one of them would have a goatee. Yes. You know? So, yes. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah so uh, that's an
2: enterprising thought yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's good
0: oh the other
1: thing i was uh, going to
0: add <laughs> i went to a lot of tribble the thought of, to, to think about. It. So,
1: oh my goodness oh, um, Star Trek yeah Star Trek. we better move on we'll lose our audience bad, <laughs> from bad from bad start i just Star Trek. want to I just want to point out here that in this fight between billy byron and billy mallory uh, Billy Byron won that by kicking gouging and punching uh, Mallory to death in other words uh, Billy Byron was fighting pretty pretty rough he he wasn't following any rules of engagement let's say here he's doing mm-hmm. whatever he could do to to take down his opponent uh, not fighting like a gentleman how about that in, in addition to killing the guy so that that's another that's another mark against him before uh, coming from barbara or anyone else who, who who witnessed this thing Oh 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 one more thing and he after that that he roughly grabbed barbara giving her arm a sudden twist that wrenched a scream of agony from her white lips that's a direct quote from burroughs mm-hmm. so that's just adding additional insult to injury uh mm-hmm. after he's after he's killed or bo- killed her good friend if not boyfriend
0: i'm yep. done those are good points though um and um, I think we should also mention, because we'll see Billy Mallory later in the story, who I think handles himself quite courageously in difficult situations. Um, it wasn't like, you know, uh, uh, Billy Byrne did not just jump Mallory while Mallory was cowering in fear. Mallory did try to fight back. He didn't stand a chance because okay. he just didn't have the skill. But he, he equated himself with bravery, even, you know, even if he even if he wasn't able to accomplish anything in a practical manner, he tried. So I think that's foreshadowing when we see Billy again, Billy Mallory again. It is confusing, isn't it? Um, later on when he acts bravely, we've been set up to expect that. We know that he's he's like, you know, come from a wealthy family and has probably always had an easy life, but he's not a wimp. And he has a moral center and he has courage. So mm-hmm. um uh, so he's yeah, he's didn't turn out like Waldo either, because he didn't have Waldo's mom. That was uh, <laughs> it's another parallel. Both Waldo and Billy Byrne had moms who, who kind of like ruined them. So the helicopter parent. The helicopter parent. Well, in in Waldo's case, yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So chapter six is called "Larry Divine Unmasked," um, because Larry Divine was the the uh, well bred guy on the Half Moon, and he is helping the bad guys willingly um but he's trying to tell bar he knows barbara from uh from his you know life in high society before he got involved with bad guys and he tries to convince her that he was kidnapped and he's being held by ransom and he was forced to write the note that introduced terrier's account to the to the crew to her dad and all of that and it's not my fault it's not my fault he's saying i've been you know i'm a i'm like a victim as well and barbara to her credit is very skeptical of this she actually does a bit of a Sherlock Holmes scan on him and says, no, you've obviously been well-treated and you're well-fed and you're clean. It's not, you know, you don't look like a guy being held prisoner to me. So um, we see she's smart and she's not naive. Uh, um, and he just he still sticks to his story and tries to convince her that, you know, he's being held under threat of death and it's not his fault. Um, and, um, you know, she just says, go away, I need time to think. Um, then a few days later, Theriere comes to visit her. And uh, he she tries to win her good graces by claiming that he's a prisoner as well and that he was forced to take par- part of it and things. And that when they, he was told, and this is a really weak story and Barbara doesn't fall for it at all. He claims that he thought the taking of the Lotus was supposed to be a prank. Hey, let's pretend to be pirates. Everybody will just laugh afterwards. Um and you know she's skeptical of this as well. It's it is a bad story, but he's uh, Terrier has seen her and he wants to be well thought of by her. He comes from a, a noble background in a good family, and it he had ruined himself through what gambling and such. So um, he sees in her, he sees what he could have been and the lady that he might have actually been able to attract in his old life. So we see kind of the start of his redemption arc and his attraction to barbara for the right reasons it's not just that barbara's drop-dead gorgeous it's that her character is what attracts him um and um billy sees her as well and she sees billy recognizes him as the person who she thinks killed uh, billy mallory and just curses him with the word of coward and he wants to hit her but he can't and he's no stranger to hitting women so that he can't bring himself to hit her, hit her is something he doesn't understand as well. And Terrier sees this and springs between Billy and Barbara to protect her. Um, so lots of stuffs going on here, lots of character stuff in this chapter. Um, Burroughs actually, man, I think he manages to put in quite a lot of twists and turns into a relatively um, short chapter. Um, and we also, you know, so we get evidence once again that. Um, Larry Devine and Terrier are both men who came from good families that allowed themselves to degenerate Uh, that Terrier terrier might have some hope of redemption at this point and we'll see that he does indeed and uh, Mm -hmm. we see that Barbara even in this dangerous situation difficult situation keeps her head and she really does have a show comes moment there when she Larry's claiming to be a prisoner and she says, you don't look like a prisoner. You're clean and well-fed and all that. I don't believe you. Uh, so
1: good for her. Um, so comments from you guys on this chapter? Well, I think, first of all, particularly uh, when, when you're on, on boats like this, pretending to play power is just really dangerous business. You'll all look mm-hmm. interested shot. Yeah, so that, that was a pretty weak idea. Mm-hmm. Now this Chapter where uh, Barbara Bar- 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 looks at Billy Byron calls him coward. Is that isn't that right? Yes, mm-hmm. and she does so twice. Uh, and it was and when she did that, it was her attitude uh, that had an effect on Billy. After the first cow- coward, he raised his fist to strike her, but he got an unexpected response. Uh, here's a direct quote: "He had looked to see this girl of the effet uh, and effeminate upper class swoon with terror before him," explained Burroughs but but to his intense astonishment, Sheba stood brave and erect before him. Her head held high, her eyes cold and level and unafraid. Billy almost struck her, but something he did not understand held his hand. And right there, that's important. He almost struck her, but he did not. He elected not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, okay, that, that, that's my point. That's all I have there.
0: Yeah, I really, I think he she, she doesn't fit the stereotype he has, the prejudice he has of the upper class people he sees mm-hmm. them all as weak and wimpy and all of that and barbara's not she's you know um she's courageous and she's intelligent and she keeps her head and she's acting with dignity even mm-hmm. when she's being held prisoner um reminds me of deja thoris among the tharks you know mm-hmm. she's a prisoner and she's helpless but she still uh, treat, uh, conducts herself with other dignity so another heroine, heroin yeah um, Scott, how about you?
2: Any comments on this chapter? I think this chapter shows the uh, if you want to call it the expansive platform or or world Burles is, is introducing us to
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, it, uh, with the other characters that are moving in here and they all have a considerable influence on the study it seemed to me when I was looking at some of our material and research stuff and the list of characters here uh, I think the mucker has maybe the longest or one of the longer uh, lists of characters and players in the story of anything he ever wrote where they interact in different locations and together uh, at different levels of of their uh, standing with according to the action and what part of the world or society they're in. He has a a very complex character interaction list here. uh, If you want to call it a mapping, or or their placement throughout the story and yet he keeps it uh quite linear so you're not really getting confused by it uh, I think again it shows his uh narrative form uh why he is uh held to be such an enjoyable writer by so many people
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, okay well chapter 6 is the at bay um you know, it starts with Terrier warning Billy not to come near Barbara again. Um he Terrier by now has started as as I think noticeably started his redemption arc. Um you know, Billy doesn't take the threat seriously. He knows he could, um, in fact, he does. He knocks Terrier unconscious with one uh, with one punch and even kicks the guy when he's unconscious. Um, and then he goes to the forecast. You know, now he's he's beaten up the second mate of the ship, so he's in trouble. Um, you know, Billy, uh, you know, he's in the forecastle he refuses to come up and surrender. um Terrier, though, recovers um from being knocked out, and he goes alone down to convince Billy to confront Billy, and he offers Billy a deal um by which you know, maybe we can escape together. Just don't get yourself killed now. They'll come down and kill you if they have to. Just surrender now and we'll figure out a way out of this. And Billy agrees. and uh, he comes back on deck. And uh, you know everybody else on the crew sees this as an act of courage for Terrier, and it was to an extent. He didn't know for sure if Billy was going to kill him just on sight, and um, but you know it also impresses Barbara when he sees Terrier do this. So she's starting to think maybe Terrier's not a bad guy, and um, you know. Uh, um, and Terrier tells Bill, tells her that he consider, that he has nothing but contempt for Billy, but he intends to use him as a tool for their escape, for him and Barbara to escape. Um, so that's that chapter. We have, you know, bad guys punching each other, but also making deals with each other. So we still have this chronic backstabbing syndrome going around, going along, going along with the bad guys. Um, uh, the end result of it is that Barbara starts to think good things about Terrier, and this is part of what it will inspire him, I think, to actually become a good person over the next few mm-hmm. chapters, is is knowing that he's earned her art admiration to, a, to an extent, and he's going to want that admiration to be based on something real. Um, so comments from you guys?
1: Well, I've got a direct quote here that I'm quite fond of. Um... May, may indulge me here for just a moment this is barbara speaking mm-hmm. um, you coward to insult and threaten a woman you are nothing but an insufferable bully and cowardly murderer you are only fit to strike from behind or when your victim is unsuspecting do you think i fear a thing such as you a beast without honor that kicks an unconscious man in the face i know you can kill me i know that you're coward enough to do it because i am a defenseless woman though you may kill me you never can make me show fear for you. I had never imagined that such as you lived in the guise of man. And I didn't put enough emphasis on that when I read it. It deserves a far better mm-hmm. read than what I just gave it. But uh, I think that's, that's, that really impressed me. And that's her standing up to him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's, he's listening to her. He's, he's listening to her.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, Burroughs did not have to make his women action girls in order to make them brave and courageous. Um they could be action girls when they needed to be, but mm-hmm. just you know, standing up to danger without flinching and um, uh, um, you know, conducting themselves again with dignity in those situations—that's that shows their courage and their worth more than if they were like trained ninjas. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's really um, just a, a, I think think—a good commentary on Burroughs' characterizations of
1: women mm-hmm. and how he presented strong women. You could say that 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 uh, uh, I keep, keep on say Brenda Barbara mm-hmm. is uh, acting like um Billy's mirror, and mm-hmm. she's reflecting back to him what, what 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 he is. and he's not he's beginning to not like the reflection he's seeing. Mm-hmm. He's making him look at himself and rethink rethink things. yeah, okay, uh, that's all similar to the effect
0: she's having on Terriere. you know, he's kind yeah. of trying to con her at first, but as thing goes on, he keeps thinking. It would be nice if this really exceptional woman actually liked
1: me for real rather than trying to fool her and, yeah. now, and now all these guys are beginning to wonder gee whiz do i really want to hang around her she's gonna make me rethink who i am and what I, what <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, I used to being this way i'm not so sure i want to change
3: mm-hmm.
0: all right go ahead <laughs> yeah scott any comments from you on this chapter
2: yeah i'd say without on the based on idea that we don't know what's happening yet that we're mm-hmm. here at chapter six uh there, here to me becomes a very dangerous and and a person you don't want to underestimate because mm-hmm. at first you're like, okay, this is going to work out. He and Billy, you know, something's going to find out and our our main character is going to get uh, get away, you know, uh, escape from this. And then he's talking to uh, Barbara and saying, don't worry, I'm just using this as a ruse so that we can be safe. It's like, okay, is there other things going on too that we don't know about what this mm-hmm. guy what, what what are his connections what is he really up to what are his actual plans of course we'll see how the story lays out later on but it, it uh it brings up that um as as you've written about the cliffhanger uh-huh. uh, threshold uh we're, we're left with seeing him telling several different people what his plans are and we don't know for sure ourselves
0: that's true yes at this point. I, I, when i'm talking about terrier i'm looking ahead to where we know he redeems himself in the end but at this point we don't know that he's started to move in that direction he's still could you can just look at him as being purely manipulative without any moral sensibility at all and that's probably more true than not true at this point he has not hit the top of his redemption act uh yet any more than billy has yeah so chapter seven um which is just a gripping action sequence, I think, the typhoon. Yeah, a storm comes up and hits the ship. Um, the, the, the main mainmast sma- uh, snaps and the crashing of the big sail kills like half the crew. Um, the captain just acts with complete cowardness and is completely useless. It's Terrier who helps get a lot of the sailors off the deck before they're washed overboard, down below where they're a little more safe. And when Terrier is hit by a wave and almost washed over, it's Billy without thinking who risks his own life to save him. Um, You know, and Billy feels like like an idiot for doing something he considered foolish immediately after. But that's what he did. And this changes Terrier's attitude from wanting revenge against Billy to feeling gratitude, gratitude, gratitude towards him. Um, The storm goes on for, I think, three days. And when it subsides, they they see land nearby, but the ship's in poor place, and um in um in poor condition. Um, yeah, you know, and the uh, you know, Barbara comes up to the deck when the things are calm to get some fair some uh, fresh air, and Terrier tries to encourage her, you know, saying, "I'll look after you personally." And um you know, um, you, you know she looks kindly at terrier she's starting to think well of him and billy actually feels some jealousy um uh you know of looking at the way terrier Bill, barbara is looking at terrier um you know and she, this confuses billy because he beat terrier up so from his point of view he should look better uh, in a woman's eyes than terrier does because you know terrier lost the fight um he still does not have a really strong view of what what would be admirable to a woman, but he's starting to want Barbara to like him. So he's getting past his prejudices of the higher classes at this point. Um, And as I said, this is a gripping action sequence. You know, this is, we all know that Burroughs wrote great action and the storm is a great action scene. And we get evidence here from both Carrier and Billy that they've really begun their journeys to redemption here with the way they behave uh they're not there yet they're still you know they still have growing to do but they, they they've clearly at this point i think we can say they've clearly started their individual path to redemption um any comments from you guys
1: well a, a couple of things to me i simply want to echo your comments about the the story of the description of the storm uh, i i agree it was very well written very detailed and uh, i think early on they say fully half the crew is killed uh, in the storm's initial uh, outburst and, but my goodness gracious it's a good thing they brought along a few extra people mm-hmm. but i recognize it's going to it takes quite a few people to handle handle a boat uh, no matter what the size is so the, that got my attention right there and there the rest of it was just a slippery and wet ride uh hanging on for dear life uh, as i read through that read through that so that was that was very very well done mm-hmm. uh, yeah my other comment oh oh uh, impulse Mm-hmm. Um, almost forgot what I was going to say. Um, so Billy's uh, w- one of my favorite questions is why do people do what they do? In this case, Billy's subconscious is kicking in. I would say uh, so he could take action, like to save Air, that sort of thing. That if he paused and thought about it, he had talked himself out of it. Might have talked himself out. Of it, wouldn't, wouldn't have done it. But without thinking, he just instantly. It's something you don't have time to think. You just do it. Well, he did that. So that shows us, I think that shows us right there that subconsciously, all this stuff is working on him. He's beginning to rethink who he is and how he approaches life.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think I mean,
2: that's the, very true. Um, Scott, any comments from you? Yeah, I like the idea too with the with the storm here. Again, um, some of the action is compressed, obviously, because he, he usually, um, <laughs> usually does a fairly fast uh, uh, narrative of uh, moving of the story forward. But uh, the fact that's pointed out that uh, the storm lasts for three days, of course, that, <laughs> you being down in Florida and hurricanes down there, you know, it's not like a lot of Midwestern storms uh, where a thunderstorm comes over and a couple of hours later, it blows over and they're back up on deck. They're, they're locked down below, hoping they survive for three days while everything's dark and black and being tossed away when I was overseas in the Pacific uh, during typhoon season and stuff these these don't just uh pop up in the last couple of hours and go away you're 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 in shelters or you're under the face of this storm for uh several days and a lot of damage can be done yeah. and that also adds i think to the impact of the, the type of danger they're in here and of course uh what follows uh, coming up in the other chapters
1: mm-hmm. and, and scott there has i think has a fine point um uh, I, I certainly personally I've, I've been through several several storms and sometimes taking shelter is a good thing I did take shelter I've never had a direct hit don't misunderstand that but uh, <laughs> it warranted to take a shelter I'll say that but but generally those are over with within 30 minutes an hour perhaps um, uh, but in this case going on for days and days and days my goodness I'll wear you down pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I would presume they were being driven along with the typhoon. So it wasn't just passing over them. They were just stuck in it.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. That doesn't mean you're going the direction you want to go, though. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, well, I learned from a hurricane near miss we had last year that the most annoying thing about being stuck inside in a storm is when the dog has to go outside to poop. <laughs> uh, um, so anyway, chapter eight, the wreck of the half moon. Um you know, uh, you know, Billy is still like he's annoyed with Barbara for looking with kindness at Terrier. So he threatens and insults her again. She just calls him a coward and a beast. And um, this is where, as you were mentioning, Jess, that where he sees himself reflected and he doesn't like it. Um, yeah, you know, the a quote from the chapter is the scales which had dimmed his mental vision had partially dropped away. Um, so he just walks away from her without hitting her or threatening her anymore. The, the crew rigs some sails and they try and find a place to land. There's land nearby, but there's rocks along. They can't find a safe place to beach the boat. Um, the, the captain, he's completely useless. He breaks down and he's just begging people to save him. Um, you know, other sailors are abandoning their posts. They're just searching for whatever they can make to, to whatever they can get to keep them afloat if the boat hits the rocks. And it's Terrier who takes over at the helm and he attempts to steer into a narrow opening he sees um Barbara tries to help and then Billy joins him and he you know pushes Barbara aside and just uses his strength along with Terrier at the wheel to try and get this the ship in through that um that um, um narrow opening um you know uh the the ship does hit um you know uh you know, Barbara actually is beginning to wonder about Billy himself uh, because, you know, most of the time he is a brutal you know, a, a brutal thug, but now he's um, risking himself, you know, he's risked himself to save Therrier during the storm and now he's helping to try and steer the ship. Um, and they don't quite make it through that gap. They hit a reef and everybody goes overboard. Um, Barbara will think she's gonna drown when she's in the water. Uh, But but she is saved by Billy, who drags her ashore and pulls her up on the beach. You know, she opens the chapter ends when she opens her eyes after being brought ashore and see that sees that it's Billy, to her surprise, who had just saved her. Um, So that is chapter eight. Um, And it is an important point here that Billy does think about what others think of him. And it's even more important point that he risks his life to save Barbara after the shipwrecks. So um, he's just definitely on his, on his, uh, he's definitely on that redemption arc at this point. Um, comments from you guys?
1: I would say this is an example of a, sh- Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Because I have my microphone turned off briefly. Uh, I would say this is an example of a shared experience. Again, why do people do what they do? Oftentimes shared experiences, there are, very long, or traumatic, or have a lot of action, or other emotions involved in them, and people who work together to survive, or to, to experience the shared experience, going to a concert, for example, can be a shared experience, but but you have something in common with the other person, is my point, and here they are working together to, to keep to to survive the storm, save the ship, if possible, and, and save their own lives, if possible, and, and, and that builds up a level of of, of respect, of, of perhaps affection, uh, camaraderie, uh, some familiarity that you didn't have before because you're seeing this person in a new light. So this is this is something that can bridge that gap uh, between Billy and, and Barbara. And for example, again, again, perhaps Billy acting subconsciously as I noted previously. Uh, here's an opportunity uh, for him to do a good thing. He doesn't think it through. He just does it just mm-hmm. does it, and he, he, saved, he saved her life, and, and he got her up on shore there. Okay, right, yeah, I'm done.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scott, any comments from you? Yeah, we see part of this with the transformation starting where he agrees with uh, Theriot about possibly having a plan, you know, uh, banding together, maybe to escape. And then we come into this chapter, and Barbara, the way they talk back and forth, does bother him. So, this is where we start seeing. We saw it in previous separation that, regardless of the earlier interactions, what we read in the first chapter, how he lived and did stuff, um, including uh, the part where he saved the policeman's life, that he is not a, a sociopath, which, uh, clinically, a sociopath cares nothing about anybody at any other time. And they're all convinced that they will outsmart everyone and they're always going to be the leader. and. Um, that they are superior in every way. So Billy is realizing that he's not necessarily, <laughs> to put it in layman's terms, the boss of everyone. Mm-hmm. That, that he is concerned about what he's doing may determine <clears throat> how other people react to him. Um, as though that really is, as I said, the scale's falling away, an eye-opener for him. There's probably nothing that's really hit him this deep before uh within his life because we don't hear anything about that like about his family or his mother or anything and now here he's worried about mean, very easy could have slapped her or had his way with women you know and i'm trying to say that in a nice way uh 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 uh, now now here he's concerned about how people view him and that is a huge leap for him Mm -hmm. today
0: it is yeah um Billy, at this point, I think it's obvious to a new reader that Billy is well on his way to becoming a good guy, even though he's not completely there yet. So chapter nine, is called Oda Yoramoto." Um, they, they, uh, they are uh, the survivors of the half moon are all ashore. Um, there's 16 of them all together. Um, so the, it says four others died when the ship was wrecked and so there were 20, so since half of the crew died in the in the chapter of the typhoon, there must've been 40 men aboard the half moon originally. So now there's 16 of them left. Um, you know, uh, But Sims, the captain is mad at Terrier and threatening legal action for wrecking the ship. That would have been just an interesting court case. Um, <laughs> Terrier <laughs> suggests that the company just divide up. Whoever wants to stay with him stays with him. Whoever wants to stay with Sims does that. Uh, Larry Divine has trouble picking, um, but he, you know, some uh, threats from from Ward get him like to join Simms's group. So it ends up with nine people with in Terriers uh, group, and seven in Simms group. Um, they do work together to salvage wreckage and try and find what useful stuff they can. And um, Divine leads a lead uh, a scouting group uh, to scale some cliffs nearby. And he finds a place where there's water, that's that they, the group can reach before nightfall. Now they're observed by a guy named Odo Yaramoto, who's wearing old-fashioned medieval samurai armor. And you know, Burroughs says he's a powerful da- da- daimyo, I know that's like a baron or a duke, and I'm not pronouncing it right, the Japanese term correctly, I apologize for that, of the Ashagaga uh, dynasty. Now the Ashigaga dynasty, I looked it up, they, uh, they existed, they ruled Japan. They were a feudal military government that ruled from 1336 to 1573. They were overthrown at the end of the civil war. So in the ERB universe, some of them fled the island and ended up here where they intermingled with the headhunters that, that um, lived there. So we have another lost civilization here um, where it's a mixture of samurai uh, warriors who have taken on the, the headhunting cannibal sensibilities of the tribesmen that they've intermarried with. Um, so it's really kind of an unusual little society here, and obviously a dangerous one. Um, so the, the, um, they've, they're they moving, the groups are now, uh, or at least Carrier's group is moving up the cliff to this place where they found water. Uh, Barbara is brought up the cliff escorted by two sailors named Miller and Swenson, but um, they, uh, um, they soon discover you know Terrier soon discovers that Miller and Swenson and Barbara have all gone missing, and that's where the chapter ends. So. you know, Divine here is, in some of the Larry Divine and some of the things he does it seems like he's almost going to get a redemption arc of his own, but the story never really follows up on this. Um, we're about to lose track of pretty much the rest of the crew uh, for most of the rest of the story, um, and but we do get introduced to the lost civilization on the island. And if I'm correct, I think at this point eventually Burroughs will introduce tons of lost civilizations, but at this point. Um, you know, he's introduced other worlds like Lucidor and Mars. But I think as far as Earth is concerned, uh, the outer world of Earth, mm-hmm. Opar is the only other lost civilization he's written about so far this early in his career. Um, so this is his second attempt at a, uh, creating a lost civilization. And I think he's created a very interesting one. And I may be wrong. I'm just looking at the order he published his books in and I think Opar and the Mucker are the first two examples
1: of lost civilizations. Um, any comments from you guys? Well, well, you certainly caught me off guard on that one because I'm all about lost civilizations, and that had that had n- possibility had not had not he said occurred to me. But I think you off the top of my head, you may be on to something there. Mm-hmm. That I think that's a very interesting point. I need to I need to look into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Opar. Uh, certainly, as near and dear to my heart as are all lost, lost civilizations, and uh, yeah, it, it got me speechless now. <laughs> well, I had I had some good things I was going to say too. I wonder what that was. <laughs> um, golly, uh, uh, Scott, go ahead. I got I got I got to get off this lost civilization thing. You come back to me here in a <laughs> minute. <Midwest. laughs> I did, uh, uh,
2: um, at this point uh, pretending I don't know the story and stuff. I'm really curious to see who Yorimoto, where this is going to lead. And then when we do find out about that, you know, uh, uh you want to call it civilization or, or this, uh, tribal society and the headhunters and everything coming up, uh, we're so used to kind of like the, uh, um, like we were talking about Opar or, uh, mm-hmm. in other story, uh, uh, writers at uh, king solomon's mind uh hager mm-hmm. stories and stuff like that she that have one here with the uh Asian history like this is is a different approach that we don't see so often uh maybe uh uh abe Merritt might be the closest one to our approach it besides Burroughs to do it with with a uh uh if you want to call it uh asian type uh, history lost civilization compared so often to the himalayan or middle east or african that we're used to or center the world in north or south pole you know um
3: uh,
1: back to me now Are you yeah. Scott. Right. Uh, well regarding miller and swinston uh, we just got introduced to them next thing you know they're getting killed mm-hmm. this is the first instance of people wearing a red shirt getting killed in a fiction <laughs> movie or, or, or book or, or whatever. Uh, so, uh, they, they were uh, forerunners of, uh, of, uh, shall we say other fond, but nameless characters wearing red shirts in a certain TV show mm-hmm. that, that I think that we all enjoy the worst so, job uh, in Starfleet. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, um, adios to Miller and Swinson, and, uh, I hope their red shirts stayed clean. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, and other news, um, Burroughs with his lost civilization here is reminding us that in addition to a transformation story for Billy, um, rising above himself to be more than what he was, uh, reminding us that this is also an adventure. So here here we're on dry land, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the characters are still in one piece. And uh, we've got a lost civilization and, and people with swords and they know how to use them. So that's setting the stage for a whole another uh, turn of events, uh, which which uh, will give Billy an opportunity to show us if if he is really changing a little bit here. An mm-hmm. opportunity for he he's, he see if he's going to rise to the occasion. All right, that, that's what that's what I wanted to say. That I lost uh, that. I okay. at the moment. Well, no, that's
0: good points. Um, yeah, and and I I think of the term red shirts all the time myself when you have these characters who exist. Purely to get killed, um, to establish danger
1: or whatever. Um, you will not find a red shirt in my closet, I'll tell you that.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, so what do they teach people in Starfleet if you're majoring in security? I mean, it's like, you know, it's just, why doesn't anybody even pick that route?
1: I guess um, why they schemes the next generation of something <laughs> <like> your- <laughs> they couldn't hey, wear the red shirts anymore
0: yeah that's true so okay chapter 10 which is uh called barbara captured by headhunters um so this jumps back a little in time to show us that miller and swenson were speared by the uh japanese the samurai slash head, headhunters who 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 um inhabit the island uh and they're also beheaded because uh, she sees them um, dangling from the belts of her captors, and she's taken away into the jungle. She's brought to a mountain village, and she's taken to the two-room palace. It's really just a, like a big hut, but it's the palace of Odo Yorimato, who's the lord. Um, Barbara's traveled a lot, so she speaks Japanese, so she's able to understand, and um, you, you know, she tries to say, just leave me alone, don't hurt me, my dad will pay you a lot of money that doesn't work um she you know he's clearly pertain, uh, claiming to uh, planning to rape her um so she says well can you at least take me into another room away from the rest of the family and he agrees to that and as soon as they're in the darkness of the room she stabs him with his own short sword um his shriek i guess is a little girlish sounding because everybody thinks it's just barbara shrinking um so um that you know, we jump back to Terrier and Billy, who assume that uh, Bar- they first assume that Billy was captured by Ward and Sims in their group. Um, Billy accuses Terrier of double crossing everybody, but Terrier manages to convince Billy that he's not double crossing them, and they plan to like attack in the morning, attack the other group uh, that's still on the beach at the foot of the cliff. Um, yeah, you know, when the first light comes, they leave the the three remaining guys in their group to defend the cliffs while they go searching for Barbara. They find the bodies of Miller and Swenson. Um, Billy is really concerned about Barbara, although he's not sure why yet. He's still questioning this. Why do I care about this? Um, You know, uh, um, so um, they start trailing uh, Barbara to try and find her. in other words, in the meantime, there were two other sailors who were out scouting around. They come back and they say they were set upon by a, like a thousand devils, and they think they figure that there, you know, Therrier and Billy has been um, um has been have been killed. Um, the other, you know, Ward and his Sims and their group try to attack up the cliff. One of them is shot. Um, and Uh, you know, in the meantime, you know, so the bad guy, the two sets of sailors are just actively battling each other now. Um, And Carrier and Billy are trailing Barbara and Barbara eventually sharing a room with the guy she just killed and is still in serious danger. So that is that chapter. Billy, Barbara is awesome in this chapter. Um, You know, once again, we're talking about how Burroughs did strong women. Who didn't necessarily have to fight to be strong and dignified. But here she's in a situation where she has to defend herself. And she just does it. you know, she's no, she's got no ex- combat experience, she's got no training and fighting and all of that. But she keeps her head. So get this guy off in the dark, and I can grab his sword and stab him. And she does so without hesitating. It's not a pleasant thing to have to do. But it's the only way she can defend herself. And she just does it. Um, and also back among the mutineers. Uh, one of them, Blanco the cook, is a black man. And I think it's interesting that he's such a strong character. You know, he's still a bad guy, but he's he 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 just kind of sort of takes charge in a way and he's not subservient to any of the others because he's black. He thinks things through and he he thinks things through and he seems to be treated an equal as an equal by the others. And for a book written in 1914, um, that's kind of remarkable, even though it's just a little bit of a side issue. He's a side character and he's going to disappear from the story soon. But I just thought it was kind of interesting that Burroughs uh, presents the black guy as being uh, considered equal amongst all the other white guys. He's not, you know, in the first Tarzan book, Esmeralda the maid was very much a stereotype. So Burroughs did go there sometimes as many writers did in that era, but he doesn't this time. Blanco is almost likable in the way he, Um, kind of takes charge when uh, Terrier and and, uh, Billy are out chasing Barbara, or trying to rescue Barbara, rather. So, And this is really the last significant scene we get with the crew of the Half Moon. They're eventually going to be arrested off screen, so uh, we actually don't see any of these guys anymore. So comments from you guys on this chapter?
1: Go ahead, Scott. Okay. Uh, This
2: is one of those chapters where it's packed with a lot of action. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's it's not uh, just like one character where we're following their track through on what's happening uh, for the story. Here he jumps around showing Barbara and and uh, uh, you know the, the the other ones in the different encounters that are kind of like happening at the same place but in different circumstances and different places on the ocean. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot, like you said, some of it drops off. We don't see some of them again, but there there's a lot of different incidents happening in this story here mm-hmm. in this chapter.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think it's a tribute to Burroughs as a storyteller that he keeps it all straight. Um, yes. He basically goes from the mutineers to Terrier and Billy to Barbara and back again. And we always know what's going on. So it never gets confusing.
1: Um, Thank you, Scott. The um, the point I was going to make, I may be getting ahead of myself here, but I'll go ahead and make the point, is that the uh, uh, you can look at uh, Barbara as the motivator for Billy's uh, change mm-hmm. in, in in thinking and, and approach and, and attitude. Uh, but the but to make the effect that to affect that change, it helps to have a role model, someone to to pattern yourself after, and that's the role that air uh, has. Uh, he is the role model for, for Billy, um, so far as uh, how does one conduct oneself. Mm-hmm. So that that's just a point I wanted to make. Okay, I think I'm done. Okay, I think
0: that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but that is very true. And so Terrier's redemption arc is actually helping to drive Billy's redemption arc. So they're not just parallel, they're connected to each other. Right. So, and. and- you know?
1: And I think as you said a moment ago, Theriar, he's going on this path of redemption, but he doesn't get a whole lot of attention or credit for it or no mm. rewards for it. Yeah. It's kind of uh, not mentioned or forgotten about, so to speak. Of all mm. the emphasis on Billy. Yeah. Who, who granted did have did have a hard road there, no question about it, and it's come mm. along. But yeah, I think that's very true. Okay. So okay. Well, so chapter eleven
0: is the village of Yoka. Um And we go back to Barbara, who's trying to exit the room uh, and get away. But a woman wakes up, and she begins breakfast. So Barbara's stuck in this room with the dead guy. And she pushes the corpse against the door to try and bar it. There's a window, but it's too small for her to get through. Um, And when somebody, you know, when a woman tries to get in, she just yells that the master's still sleeping. And she's trying to dig away at the window to enlarge it so she can get out. Eventually, uh, somebody tries to, to force his way in. And when he does, Barbara decapitates him and then closes the boor- the, the, the door again. Uh, so Barbara is continuing to be awesome. The women in the house shout an alarm, and the villagers come running to find out what's happening. And Barbara is getting ready to kill herself before she can be taken, because it's the only way to save herself from, from, uh, from being raped by these guys. Um, The Terrier and Billy, in the meanwhile, uh, uh, are approaching the village and they capture a boy who turns out to be the son of the the village leader, Yoromoto, who nobody knows is, they don't know he's dead yet. Um, They they tie up the boy um, and they uh, gag him after they see the window through which, you know, uh, they they find the window into which they believe Barbara is being held. So, Billy plans to force his way in while Terrier covers him uh, with a pistol from the jungle's edge. Um, and when the villagers all rush towards the building after, after Barbara, you know, when they hear the women in that the, giving uh, the alarm, Billy just heads for the window to rescue her. Um, so first, this is more great action. It's a wonderful action scene. Barbara continues to act with enormous courage, and she keeps her head despite being terrified. And I think by now, both Terrier and Billy have reached the end of their redemption arcs. You know, they both decided to do the right thing in rescuing Barbara. And they both developed respect for each other uh, when they originally hated each other's guts. So, um, I you know, I, um, although Billy has some refining that have, needs to be done with him, I think at this point you can say that both Terrier and Billy are now heroes rather than villains. Um,
1: comments from you guys? Well, I, I just want to point out that uh, Burroughs, who was uh, obviously, obviously uh, an excellent writer uh, mm-hmm. and storyteller, uh, was also a very good businessman with his uh, properties, notably mm-hmm. with, with Tarzan and, and uh, pu- pushing that through uh, uh, com- newspaper comic strips and movies and, and other forms of media. But he missed an opportunity here. Uh, after we've seen Barbara in action with the sword, I think there was been a market for for swords, um, uh, <laughs> the, Barbara, the Barbara model of sword is is something here that I think very the very Barbara Harding the Barbara yeah. Harding
0: uh, um, uh, decapitation sword. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
1: It's a fancy name like that. I think you're on, on the right track there. Mm-hmm. Lose head over. It, but I think you're on like right, right track. There. <laughs> uh, the so beheading I, blade. I, what was that? I beg your pardon. The beheading blade. The mm-hmm. beheading way, that that, yeah. that works that works that, that be able to work. behead
0: your enemies for only nineteen ninety nine, so. exactly.
1: So that that that's that's something that that, that could have been pursued there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a lot of a good <laughs> <Okay>. dream. <laughs>
0: he's, Scott, he's, any I'm any comments ahead. from you?
2: Uh, in, in a way, I'm kind of surprised. Uh, uh, Burroughs didn't uh, describe the scene a little more, but maybe he thought enough was enough the idea that uh, Barbara was going to take her own life, the desperation of where you reach that point, where I'm going to kill myself, and then to take that desperation or the adrenaline that might be running into you to uh, take the head off the other guy who comes through the room, because that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Uh, So uh, in one way, I'm surprised he didn't describe more about it, except maybe the idea of just saying, hey, if you're that desperate to take your life, and decide you want to say it you would have that adrenaline running to be able to do what she did
3: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's like um, when young mothers lift a car off their baby it's the adrenaline so i could see her being able to decapitate the guy because of that Um, and if
2: there's a samurai type sword they're supposed to be known for uh yeah uh, incredible strength and sharpness too, yeah and
0: so. Burrows didn't go into it, but apparently the the descendants of the Japanese who first came there three hundred plus years ago uh, taught later generations how to keep these swords in
1: shape Yeah, you know, that was my that was my impression something that yeah, everything mm-hmm. to me. yeah. well I, I want I want to say that uh, commenting on the story on the story and how that was described the the events inside that the hut I felt was was well described of course, I have a pretty vivid imagination. It doesn't take a whole lot to get my imagination fired up. But I certainly was on the edge of my seat reading through that saying, now, how's she going to get out of this? There's only so much room in that hut. And and may not even have room to swing this big sword or operate this big sword if more people come in here. Uh, hopefully, they won't bring their own, own sword. They probably will. So so uh, this is g- going to be a crowded situation. At some point, the clean ladies will come in here. And, 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 and I'm going to have, I'm gonna have uh, more company than I need. So and my point with all that is I I, I really enjoy, enjoy this sequence. Kept me on the edge of my seat. Yeah. And we get to chapter 12, the
0: fight in the palace, which, of course, every time I read a Burroughs book, I say, oh, this is his best action scene ever. I get to, <laughs> you know. But so seriously, this is his best action scene ever. Uh, Billy gets in through the, he enlarges the window and gets into Barbara's side. So she doesn't kill herself. Um he, he just tells her, get out the window, go to Terrier, he's waiting in the jungle, and he starts killing the guys who come through the door. But Barbara calls to Terrier through the window, then returns to help him fight. Uh, she just continues to be awesome. You know, he's telling her to leave, but she just continues to, like, circle behind him and stab anybody she can while he's doing this last stand at the door. Billy's wounded, and he takes a spear, which drops him. But then Terrier comes through the window and he blasts away with his pistol, which stops the samurais from rushing in. Um, they try to get Billy's body out the window during the lull in the fight because of this. They they can't lift it. Um, they they just stay with. But they both stay with him. They do not abandon Billy. Both Terrier and Barbara, everybody's in hero mode right now. They're all doing great. They stay with him until he rouses and he managed. They all manage to get out outside of the uh, they're attacked again and billy despite having a spear in him puts barbara on his shoulder and he rushes towards the jungle terrier covers the retreat with his revolver but um as they get to the jungle edge terrier takes a spear in the leg so billy runs back out of cover to get him and bring him to safety and they use the kid that captured uh you know has a bargaining tool to to um um, you know, to try and get away, and Billy carries Terrier, remember, Billy's badly wounded too, but he's carrying Terrier, and they're leading the bound kid with them, and they they get to a spring uh, with some water, and once they get there, Billy collapses, and the kid, a seeker, calls for his followers to come rescue them, both the men are unconscious at this point, so it's just Barbara and the little kid, and the kid's yelling, hey guys, the men are down, come get me, and um, so, really, all I have about to say this is that this is a magnificent action scene. Um, I, the the all three of the heroes in it are awesome. They look out for each other, they fight for each other, they watch each other's back, they risk their lives to save each other. Um, and it's just an exciting, well-paced, fast-moving fight scene.
1: Well, 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 said. I really can't say, say it any better than that. I would say Barbara's taste has tasted the uh, tasted battle. Mm-hmm. His, on her knife, and she's uh, <laughs> she, she, she wants more of it almost, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you're correct. That, that is, is again on the edge of my seat. Very well, very well done. That, that's all I have to say about it. Yeah. I can't, I can't Scott. Any,
2: any comments again, from you? And again, a uh, complete action chapter here mm-hmm. just boom, 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 boom. Uh, one thing I, I thought was a smart that he did, and uh, also uh, um, doubles down on Billy here is uh, when Theriot gets the spear in the leg. A lot of times you have them where he stop, and maybe pull on it or whatever, but continue to hobble into the thing and stuff. You, know, you get a spear like that and goes through the muscle or through your leg like that and stuff. It probably is going to take you right down. You're not going to mm-hmm. do like you see in some movies or other stories where the guy gets through there, which then gives Billy that chance or Burroughs to give Billy that chance to come back and rescue him to show that he's Rapidly climbing that uh, ladder of uh, mm-hmm. whether you want to call it uh, uh, loyalty to other people, saving lives, mm. uh, courage. Um, I think we being can call it man him. of action. All yeah. this stuff, all these things for these characters are just snowballing, and even more so with Billy with what he's been facing. Mm.
0: I think we can say he's climbing a moral ladder is a good way of framing yeah. it. Good. Oh, I like that. Uh, That's very good. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, chapter thirteen: A Gentleman of France um you know uh, barbara grabs the pistol up and threatens the kid with death if the others don't uh don't go away so he yells at them to withdraw he then she just bandages um she does the old tearing strips from her skirt ship which is a trick that we've seen in movies a million times but it's a perfectly legitimate thing trope um to bandage them billy revives enough to um to she see what's going on and um you know, tells her, don't worry about me, go to Terrier. Um, but he's still, you know, he says, Ain't that boob croaked yet? So he still expresses himself roughly sometimes. And Barbara's just completely puzzled by him. But from her point of view, Billy's just all sorts all sorts of like contradictions. He's a thug, he built he beat Billy Mallory, she thinks, to death, but now <laughs> he's acting with courage. Um, and then he risked his life for Terrier, but then he expresses himself in a way that seems like he doesn't really care. Um, but they, they do what they can for Terrier, but he's obviously dying. Um, Billy just, he doesn't, you know, he's wrestling with like friendship and loss of new emotions for him. Um, Terrier, um, and before he dies, he asks Billy's forgiveness. Um, you know, Billy says it's, you, you know, it's not your fault. I've been a coward. You know, I'm learning like the right kind of nerve is the way he phrases it um you know and terrier uh, dies um and while they're distracted with this the kid gets away um you know night is coming so billy manages to carry terrier away a short distance and dig a grave with a sword and bury him and then he and barbara flee into the wilderness and they find a defensible place and barbara sleeps um she's still worried about being alone with billy though Uh, and because of the way billy has acted in the past it's still i think it's still understandable that she's a little worried about what he might do now that they're alone but he doesn't do anything to her um they catch some fish to eat he rests and starts to heal up from his wound um while she guards him with the pistol um and um But you know, and she's still wondering—is she safer with him, or worse off with him, or what? And the chapter ends when they see a man approaching, and uh, she, you know, she wakens Billy up. So I think Carrier's death scene has a lot of real emotion to it. It's it's you know melodramatic, but it hits all the right sincere emotional notes. We really regret seeing him die, Mm -hmm. and we realize that he is has sincerely redeemed himself before he died, though. So he goes out. Um, he goes out on a high note. Um, any comments from
1: you guys? Well, regarding this, um, statement by Billy here, uh, in between all the excitement and, um, shooting and, and carrying on, ain't that boob croaked yet? Mm-hmm. I, I would actually get, uh, cut Billy some slack here. He's mm-hmm. not, he's, he's far hard today and he's wounded and, yeah. and uh, he's passed out a little bit there. So he's not quite, uh, himself whatever that is he's not quite himself so he he said that without thinking without thinking it through it was a it was an old i would say old phrasing He just pulled it out of his memory and dust is often used it here of course uh, she um, was bothered by that a great deal was taken aback by that uh being puzzled by the guy and and unfortunately the sad thing here is that that kind of um overshadows the transformation he's making to get to mm-hmm. this point now, here at some point, and I could be jumping ahead of you, forgive me if I am. At some point here, she says to him, won't you try to be a gentleman for my sake? That comes up a little bit later in this dialogue here. And I, I have to think that question is motivated by her memory, which she's still chewing on. That, mm-hmm. uh, she, she won't let it go. Even, <laughs> even if she just think about it, she won't let it go. Ain't, it, it's going to ruin her day. already mm-hmm. has. Ate that boob croak yet? She's think. She's chewing on that memory. Then she poses this question to him: "Won't you try to be a gentleman?" Okay, that's all I have. Okay, Scott, and
2: any comments for you? I go with uh, the points both of you made. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'd really add at this point, with everything there, is uh, instead of a gentleman of France, uh, I think a good chapter title for this would have been the Confessional. Because they're getting getting these emotions, these confessions coming from both sides, not just the warm.
1: That's good. Sure, it's he good. good. I like that.
2: So okay, uh, chapter 14, the mucker
0: sees a new light. Um it you know, they see what Barbara saw in the distance was like a group of headhunters um coming towards them. So they make a run for it. Um Billy has this growing awareness of of how just how gorgeous Barbara Harding is. Um, and he notices. She notices him looking at her. Sometimes he doesn't have any ill attentions to her, but she's afraid because she doesn't know for sure. And once again, because of Billy's past, this is going to be confusing for her. She's not going to know where he's at, and it's understandable that she doesn't know if she's safe with him yet. She'll know if she is soon, but uh, she doesn't know yet. They find they cross a, find a place where they can cross a river. And get onto like a little rocky island that's separate from the main island, which is very defensible and it's away from where the headhunters usually congregate. Um, Billy does try to kiss Barbara. She pushes him away. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, um, and just says, just when I was learning to trust you so. But um, he, you know, he assures her that he can't, you know, he's not going to hurt her. He's not ever going to hurt her. She is reassured. and he starts, she starts teaching him proper English and how to behave in polite society and all that. And they're three weeks in this area. They've gotten away from the headhunters who don't know where they are. So they're in a safe spot. They've got food and water. Um, and uh, she starts to teach him this is the um uh the 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 pygmalion section of it. This is Professor Higgins teaching Elijah how to talk. Um, so uh, um, and he's learning rapidly. Um, but uh, at the end of the chapter, he leaves the island to get to go hunting to get some meat, but he's attacked by a, a, a solitary headhunter with a spear, um, but he's warned by Barbara's warning cry, and he kills the guy with his bare hands. And that is the end of this chapter. Um, so, and, you know, I think this is where Barbara learns that Billy has changed as well. That, um, you know, he admits he loves her. Um, I don't know if she loves him back yet, especially since there's, they both think he killed Billy Mallory earlier, and that's gonna be hanging over their heads. But also is, he? you know, he wants to learn how to be a decent human being. So he wants to learn how to speak well and to act well. And this is that he's willing to do this as evidence of his change of character. It's, it, he's definitely, run his redemption arc at this point i believe
1: comments from you guys i would say it's an art farm as to when to go in there and and go for that kiss and 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 this is something since billy's been through a transition it's a it's it's a art or a technique that he's that's new to him my guess is considering his prior life probably when he went in for a kiss he just went in and went for a kiss without mm. pausing to consider with the other person's feelings about the situation mm. um uh, but but now that he is um, attempting to be a gentleman and and he um um now he's attempting to be a gentleman uh, he doesn't pause to gauge her reaction doesn't pause to take her heartbeat doesn't pause to see how she's breathing doesn't pause as she's receptive to this and and then her old fears again she won't let go of this is that bum dead dead yet she won't let go of the past uh so um uh, he he has to back she fusses a little bit and he has to back off thankfully it did not it was an awkward moment perhaps but did not overshadow things later on that's all i have
0: yeah uh, get a kiss out of Angela I had to propose to her and give her a ring so that's the moment so. it's all it's all in the timing <laughs> mm-hmm. so Scott any comments from you
2: yeah I understand you know when he'd use the uh uh grammatically incorrect or structured uh speech for Billy here gives him a chance to do the Pygmalion thing here and them bonding and him him advancing too but uh uh I did also find him writing with that uh you know street uh uh pronunciation or or accent um sometimes I did find that distracting throughout the story reading it uh, mm-hmm. I'd find it a little more jarring and it used to be much more commonplace than it is now so uh not so much a criticism of the book but one of the things I noticed when I was reading uh when he'd had him talk in that type of uh, stunted English yeah. Uh, it, uh, I I don't know if you guys ever found that distracting or not.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I know what you mean, but I I kind of enjoy dialect like that, just on a personal, I understand the reason, yeah. More, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, okay. Any more comments from? Um, or did we move on to the next chapter, chapter uh, 50 Or I'm sorry, Jess. Did you have anything to say?
1: I was simply going to say proceed, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Okay. Uh, Chapter 15, the rescue, Um, you know, Billy, Billy kills the headhunter, Barbara sees this and is looking at kind of in horror, Um, not because she didn't recognize it was self-defense. And she's, you know, killed people kind of graphically herself at this point. But I, I think it's because it reminded her of him killing Mallory with his bare hands, you know, and she asked, how could you have killed him? And this is a strong part of the character arc is that Billy has changed. he really has gone through this reformation but the, the, the still they the murder they think he committed it's still hanging over their heads. there's still consequences for his past um past answer um you know he Billy says that he'd give his life to bring Mallory back um uh, you know that he he wants to be a decent person now but you know he did do what he did and that's still out there um and he says he loves her but, um, then they hear voices and shots, and they see six of the Samurai with prisoners, which is like Captain Nor- Norris from the Lotus, the, the yacht that they, that Barbara had originally been kidnapped from and a, and a mate as well. So Billy goes to their rescue. Um, Barbara follows behind, which is cool, and actually stabs a guy to death to save uh, Billy. Um, you know,. Um, He's uh, Billy's knocked out for a moment, and Barbara, is saying you know, oh, he thinks he might be dead, is hugging him and say, "Okay, f- forgive me for laughing when you said I loved you. Forgive me, I love you too." Um, Billy opens his eyes, and they kiss, um, which they really bad timing here because the captain and the mate are still fighting other samurai. But they finish now. <laughs> you know, get your priorities straight, people. Um, but uh, um, they do finish off the opponents. And they tell Barbara that her father and Mallory were taken prisoner three days before that. They're probably back at that village. Billy is just enormously relieved to find out that he didn't kill Mallory, that that that, that murder that was hanging over his head is no longer there. Um, they, you know, they recognize Billy now as the guy who beat Mallory up. But Barbara defends him. Um, you know, just remember, Billy just saved you guys. Um, so... You know, the Norris explains, you remember the locusts had been disabled, their engine had been completely disabled by by the crew of the half moon, but they didn't know there was a wireless on board and they were able to call a warship, which repaired the Lotus and they went in search of the half moon to rescue to try and rescue Barbara, they had found the other survivors. Um, and they, they had arrested them. And then they were searching for Barbara. And that's when they were attacked, and Mallory and Mr. Harding were captured. So Billy grabs a spear and a revolver, and he says, The captain, you know, watch after Barbara. I'm going to go rescue these guys. Um, so, as I said, I like that there's a moral sensibility to all this. Um, Billy thought he was guilty of murder and so did Barbara and just his reformation doesn't take that crime away. There's still consequences of it. It's still hanging over their head. It's a very strong moral sense to this story that I really enjoy. Um, and But you know, his willingness to try and single-handedly save Harding and Mallory is just further evidence of his redemption. So comments from you guys?
1: um i I was going, going to ask is this have we already had the discussion here where he asked he asked her to teach him how to speak properly yeah that happened at the end of the last chapter okay I just want to comment on that mm-hmm. um that the, the regional dialect that we were seeing and and Billy's conversation there um uh, the, for, for him because I would imagine <coughs> pardon me I would imagine that, that uh, of course he's growing up talking that way. He never gave any thought to it, but I would imagine that was a leap for him to to make that request mm-hmm. because um, th- the way he would speak, I would imagine, was the way all his friends spoke, mm-hmm. and and he would grown up doing that without really even thinking about it. But he was this shows he was genuinely wanting to um, to uh, advance to another level. And that is be a little more comfortable with people out of high society and, and and clean up clean up his way of, of speaking. So I, was, I, I should have made that that uh, that comment earlier. Now getting the monkey off his back, finding out that the Mallory's still alive, that's a sense of relief.
3: Mm-hmm. And uh,
1: that, that's a that's a dream come true right there. And that that takes care of a few, for, and, and these two here have gone and proclaimed their love for each other in the middle of a battle. Mm. I, mean, I imagine the guys who are fighting, would you all come over here and help us? You can do that. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing's first here, people. Mm. Uh, but uh, but they, they, they've at least proclaimed here they love each other. Now we'll see how this turns out yet, but this is step one. Um, things Sometimes things are also said in the heat of battle, too. There's mm. a little bit of that going on. But, um uh, okay, th- yeah, that's everything I, I wanted to comment on. Okay, Scott, any comments from
2: you? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, again, that point of battle, it's an interesting time for that discussion. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, going along with that, uh, you kind of wonder, well, where is this declaration of love coming from with, with the fact that, you know, as far as we know, he had killed Mallory and all this. But, again, you look at that time of shared experiences, and they show this in psychological, uh, sociological tests, and so on. Uh, shared experiences brings a bonding like that. Also, uh, uh, variations of the Stockholm syndrome and stuff. So there is precedent for people from from the two sides coming together and finding a bond because nobody else in their life has shared that life and death bond that they've just spent uh, uh, a minimum of three weeks just being... Bonding and learning to talk and and growing that way, and the time before that and the time after, so that uh, uh, that can explain that part away, uh, no problem. And now the fact that uh, he gets a new life due to the fact that though he did commit a crime that he thought was murder, to find out that that burden's taken off of him, that didn't really happen. Uh, now opens up the whole doors of what we're going to see coming up here as, as the book starts ending.
0: Yeah. I think when you're reading it, you can actually literally feel the weight lifting off of Billy's shoulders when he finds out he's not guilty yeah. of murder. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, de- I definitely could. I, mm-hmm. I definitely, I definitely felt, felt something there. Mm-hmm. Um, Stockholm syndrome is a very interesting point you bring up there. You know, as Stockholm S- syndrome had not been identified during Burroughs days, but certainly it, it is a known phenomenon where, where people, Start getting um getting affectionate with their captors. They've been around them around them so much or something. Got ropes yeah, off Yeah, but so um, they develop some kind of
0: affinity for them. Go ahead. Yeah, but um, in Stockholm syndrome, I think it's a legitimate parallel to bring up, but it's um not exact because those those are unhealthy emotions that come up from a stressful situation. Whereas Barbara nope. and Billy turn out to really sincerely love each other.
1: Well, so, and they, you're correct about being unhealthy emotions. Uh, no no question about that. Uh, in regards to Barbara and Billy, the thing, you know, when I first read that, this proclamation of love for each other here in the heat of battle, I'm wondering, gee, what's, what's she going to be saying tomorrow morning when the sun comes up and she mm-hmm. looks at it and goes, ah, I wish I hadn't said that. I mean, is she, is she going to look at him and yeah. say, I was, well, I was, it was an emotional moment.
0: Yeah, well, Jane, well, Jane I, had I, second thoughts. Jane had second thoughts about Tarzan at the end of the first novel, which is how she ended oh, yeah. up engaged to the wrong guy. So. oh yeah yeah
2: so yeah, you have to, you have to admit they they haven't had the healthiest relationship or situations since they met that's each other.
0: true that's true yeah
2: so so mm. and like you said it was i do that as as a related if you want to call it parallel or related syndrome mm. that's not exact uh,
1: clinical yeah. definition mm. they've definitely had a lot going on yeah so okay. um that's all i have
0: no, okay. I, I think it's also fair to bring out that they were here for like three weeks. It's not a hugely long time, but Burroughs isn't doing a love in, at first sight thing here. He's, he's doing it more realistically. As Billy changes and proves himself a good person and they get to know each other, they yeah. they fall in love. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's a reasonable emotional story arc. Um, the chapter 16, The Supreme Sacrifice more great action stuff. this is this is just just looking at this as just as an action novel. There's some superb set, set pieces in here. Billy gets back to the village. he's looking for the two prisoners, Harding and Mallory. Um, you know he has to kill a guy without making noise. He finds them, they get swords, they make a break for it. They're caught in the street by the villagers. they're going they go like triangularly back to back with each other as they fight towards the jungle. Mallory takes a spear in the leg. So Billy grabs him and they make a dash for it. Billy gets speared three times um, and he tells the other, he goes, Barbara's in that direction, I'll hold him off with the pistol, you guys run for it. And to Mallory's credit, he doesn't want to leave him. Um, even after he finds out that, you know, Billy says, hey, I'm the guy that almost beat you to death and kidnapped Barbara, they still don't want to leave him. But um, I think, you I don't think it's t- to their detriment to, I don't criticize them in the end for leaving. It looked like Billy was mortally wounded, and there was just if they stayed with him, there was no way they were going to help him. They were just going to die with him. So, uh, in the end, they very reluctantly leave him. But I'm, I as I said, I'm not critical of them for doing so. I, I, they were in a situation where really they didn't have any fault, any choice. Um, I agree yeah and they eventually make it back to the island where barbara is and they report that billy's dead they sincerely think he must be um i think you can say they really should have gotten a search party from the warship that was there as well and gone back to look to make sure but um from their point of view it was a pretty sure thing that billy was dead so comments from you guys
1: well i would certainly say that this represents uh uh, the the new the new billy the character mm-hmm. change that we've been discussing and, and witnessing throughout this book this is the ultimate sacrifice giving yourself up to save someone else's life and he willingly did that or was will was willingly was was uh, willing to do that so i mm-hmm. uh, put himself in that position and he did he told them to go on and get out of here while you can mm-hmm. and they did so he's he's left to fend for himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, under under terrible odds so uh i'm I'm not going to say his transition is complete but this is a major step forward
0: yeah and he's his old motivation he's deliberately thinking whatever is good for barbara's sake that's what i'm going to do rescuing these guys is best for her sacrificing myself to let them get away is best for her so that's that's his motivation that's that's the rock his moral sensibilities are standing on it's like if this is best for barbara the woman i love then this is what i'm going
1: to do very well said much better than that and with that i'm done go ahead okay and, scott any and comments?
2: He, did, he did say he did say in a previous chapter that uh he would gladly give his life if it meant mallory could be alive and be in barbara's life again too
0: Yeah, he's uh, actually doing that now he, what he was uh, saying was yeah. prophetic i didn't catch that that's a great catch
3: yeah very so catch. yeah mm-hmm.
0: so okay uh chapter 17 home again um so Billy like takes intermittent shots at the samurai for a while, and then he crawls away and he falls into a hunter's pit, loses consciousness for a while, um, crawls out at night, and so he he just through good luck he manages to get away from the head hunters from the samurai, and he eman- eventually gets back to the island camp, um, um, but he he discovers that they've left. Um, he gets to a promontory just in time to see the the warship and the lotus sailing out to sea, um, and he just he collapses from his wounds, but he still lives. He peels up again. He's on the he's on the island for three months. Um, he's not bothered by the natives anymore. He's off in this like little remote section where they don't go, and he's finally rescued by a passing steamer. And six months later, he's in New York City. He gets a job as a sparring partner in a gym. Um, and he, but he proves to be like a good boxer himself. He knocks out the guy he's supposed to be sparring with, and the this this the the guy who owns the gym. Professor Cassidy takes him on as his main fighter and starts training him for that. Um, so the story takes an abrupt change in direction here. Um, if I, I think this is one of his best novels, um, this does feel a little abrupt to me. If I were going to make any minor criticisms at all, it's like this. <laughs> change in, in scene from the island to New York just happens so quickly. It just it does have this feeling of, of, of abruptness to it. Um, I know that Burroughs says it was six months later, so he's had time for Billy to heal from his wounds and um, travel back to New York. And um, um, But uh, um, you know, it's an interesting new direction for the story to take. It just felt a little abrupt to me. Um, I don't want to be overly critical, because it's still a wonderful novel. But did, did that work for you guys? What do you guys think of this chapter? I,
1: I did not have a problem with it. I would mm-hmm. say Burroughs uh, is telling us only what we really need to know. Need yeah. to know as far as this story is concerned. Mm-hmm. And uh, he could have uh, given us some blow by blow, play by play of the, of what all occurred in those six months. Billy did this and Billy did that. And, and Billy's going to recover and, and be okay. Um, but uh, that's all kind of summed up in one sentence or two there. And yeah. And, And then to get on to the stuff that really matters so i'm fine i I understand your point Mm -hmm. but i'm fine with it as is yeah it's
0: probably just a personal thing on my point if i saw it in a movie and they just did six months later a um narration box on the screen and then he was in new york i probably wouldn't have any problem with it
1: so i'm I'm
0: probably being overly picky
1: well and that's fine and Mm -hmm. um i don't i don't like for my favorite story to end either and i want mm-hmm. to know what these people are doing and mm-hmm. what breakfast cereal they're eating and all that all that information <laughs> um, I, I would i would say though it seems to be uh, again not criticism but it seems mm-hmm. to be Burroughs' tendency when he gets down to the last chapter or so that he starts wrapping things up pretty quick yeah um, he does he tied up and and mm-hmm. you can just tell that uh, uh, everyone's going to live happily ever after if this pace keeps going it's going to happen or <laughs> right, i'm done okay uh,
0: Scott,
2: any comments? i agree with that about it being a wrap-up like that because he mm-hmm. has done novels and that same thing came in my head if it's a movie and and uh tom hanks on castaway six months later he's delivering this fedex thing or whatever out you know mm-hmm. country uh to, to the sculpture lady or whatever uh so that works for me he he still had that transformation time that the main part's over there uh, I also find interesting that Natives leave him alone because he's on the uh, uh, supernatural or the bewitched section of the island, which is like John Carter going in a cave and Native Americans leaving him alone and, mm-hmm. and uh, so on. So he's he used that as a trope before, but, but it works on here and uh, uh, makes it reasonable and passable for the amount of time. I mean, he's there for three months plus. He's got time on the steamer. He's got six months in New York city. So you're talking close to a year passing by there where he's had introspection and growing time. And he's found a job now, uh, an honest job as a sparring partner, not to be the boxer, but his, uh, uh strength and, and power and determination make it where he, he is so good that he is going to be a main, the main fighter for, for this mm-hmm. coach.
0: Yeah. Um, I like your like parallel to castaway, but i will say I always thought the best way for that movie to end would have been if Tom Hanks found out that box had a satellite radio in it okay. Um, so the last chapter, the gulf between. um Billy works his way up uh, to the top of the fighting world and uh he eventually fights the uh, the the heavyweight champ and we get another great action scene. That boxing match is brutal and it is just a great scene. Um, And uh, uh, so he's now like in the news. So Barbara sees him in the news or wait a minute, Billy sees a notice that Barbara had broken off her engagement with Mallory. Um, and, uh, And she sees his picture in the sports page and calls him and invites him to her home. So she meets with Barbara and at first he tries to, you know, he he just thinks their class differences are such where they can never be together. Um, so at first he like tries to act like he used to be, like a, like a jerk to try and get rid of her. But then he breaks down and he says, no, I still love you and you've made me a better person, but it's just not meant to be. You know, he actually has called Mallory over and says, look, you two work it out. You're the two that should be together. And then he, um, he, he, um, Has the butler shows and shows him out the back door, Um, and it looks like he's lost Barbara forever. But that's then Tarzan looked like he lost Jane at the end of that first book. You know things will work out in the sequel, Um, but uh, that we'll we'll be talking about the sequel next time. Um, I think this ending is very, it's very appropriate to the storyline. He's willing to do whatever's best for Barbara, even that means giving her up, which at this point he's convinced is the right thing to do um so we we just see that he's you know become a thorough self-sacrificing good guy in every way um and it it is an emotionally appropriate way to end at least the
1: first part of his story um comments from you guys uh, scott go ahead i'm looking something up i have a comment here in a minute nope scott you still there
2: oh okay yeah yeah i think it is i think that self-sacrifice Similar to the end of Tarzan. Mm -hmm. Tarzan, uh, you know, ignores the uh, telegram saying proving who he really is, Mm -hmm. and he's giving that up because he doesn't feel he has a place in Jane's life. And here for uh, Billy to do that with Barbara. uh, I think that's really appropriate. And I always, um, it interests me when they come in to talk about the, uh, uh, his career here in the uh, Great White Hope. I when I lived in Reno at one time, I lived very close. I have a historical marker. When the uh, Jack Johnson, the Great White Hope fight was held in Reno, they still have a plaque on the uh, street corner what was held. It's basically an industrial junkyard area now, but I used to just live a few blocks from there. So whenever I see something referring to that period of history and boxing and stuff, it always perks my eyes or ears up a little bit too. So just just a personal uh addition of interest
1: there <laughs>
2: so okay
0: and
1: jess you were looking something up uh, i'm looking something up i still haven't confirmed it. so let's go ahead and go with what i got okay. um billy's um uh, i'll say approach to barbara here where he's saying in effect that he's not good enough for her and she should go on and, and do her own thing um, I believe was, we saw that with another Burroughs character, and I, I meant to check this, and I'm thinking it is Bulan from Monster Man, but I'm not seeing where B- Bulan had that kind of conversation with, uh, what was the young lady's name there, Virginia. So, uh, my point with all that is I believe that's that same approach has been taken by another Burroughs hero, but I cannot say who it was if that's the case. Okay. So okay. I, hate to, I hate to leave that, all, that <laughs> question open. Well, it,
0: it definitely parallels Tarzan and Jane at the end of Tarzan and the Apes. Well, um, and maybe that's who I'm
1: thinking of. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're, you're right about that one. Yeah. So, so I just going to look into this and I just never did. And that's what happens when I don't do my research ahead of time.
0: Okay. Well, that's the end of, of what really is an excellent um, adventure novel and one of Burroughs' best characterizations. I think I've said in past broadcasts that I don't think Burroughs always gets the credit he deserves for how in depth his characters could be. And I think we get like a vivid example of that here. Um, It's just a great novel from start to finish and an interesting lost civilization um, and um, superb action scenes. So um, it's, it's a great book and we will be talking about its sequel, Return of the Mucker next time, which actually I think you could call the sequel kind of a Western a lot of the action takes place in revolutionary Mexico um, which you know, like it does in movies, like the professionals with Lee Marvin and so on. Um, So, so um, it's kind of a different, it has a different feel to it, though. It's still an excellent novel and um, kind of an interesting direction to take the characters in. So we'll be talking about that next time, whenever we're able to schedule our next podcast. Um, And this, I think has been a great, uh, a great discussion. Um, and I hope the people listening enjoy it. Um, I'm gonna release this in one part. It'll be kind of a long podcast, but people can always pause and go back to it if they get sick of listening to us. So, um, um, and that's gonna be it for tonight. So everybody remember our trivia contest to win a copy of Tarzan in the City of Gold for the new Edgar Rice Burroughs authorized library with just a magnificent Joe Co cover. Um, the question is, what was the name of Lord Tennington's yacht? And email that answer to uh, mailbag at gmail.com. Remember, you have to send it to that Gmail to officially enter for a chance to win the novel. Um, And that is all for tonight. Once again, my name is Tim DeForest. Please visit my blog at Comics Old Time Radio and other cool stuff uh, to where you can just also, find links to my books on Amazon.com. I don't object to anybody buying my books. I always enjoy that. And um, <laughs> you guys have anything to plug on the way out?
1: Well, I will throw in a mention that recently I've been using my Griff coffee cup uh, frequently. And I mm-hmm. tell you, coffee tastes pretty good coming out of my official Griff coffee cup. That's one of the several items to be had at our store in town. Whereabouts is that? Is our store located now?
0: It is, I, I will post it uh, in the notes as well. It is is cafepress/erbpodcast.com, um, which I know is a bit of a long one. So I will post that in the notes. But yeah, Griff Coffee Cups. The Griff has been our best seller. Uh, we haven't sold much, but what we have sold is mostly the Griff, which is kind of interesting. But you can also get Tars Tarkas. You can get Woola. You can get, uh, and on all sorts of different materials, coffee cups, T-shirts, um, carry bags, um uh com, you know mouse pads whatever you can uh, you can get these images on that um and so just go to our store and buy stuff and make us wealthy beyond the dreams of avarice and,
1: and that does remind me of the griff t-shirt I, mm-hmm. I wore that to my local coffee shop where i, that I frequent and uh, that always uh, draws a remark or two cool so that, that, i think uh, i think that oh. uh, that that's that's a popular item
0: remember well. remember to wear it at the
1: uh, erb love fest speaking of which reminds me (laughs) oh what a segue into that my goodness gracious um erb love fest is an online event which is held in my discussion group the love of all things edgar rice Burroughs, on facebook Mm -hmm. and there we have we we do pretty much what we do all the time anyhow to some degree and as we have interviews we have discussions we have posts we have pictures and, and we talk erb near 24 seven. I do need to sleep a little bit, but,
3: but <laughs> we'll
1: be, we have some lengthy conversations and we'll continue to do that. We'll also have interviews and we'll, we'll have some guests and, and maybe an announcement or two, uh, if, depending on the sun, the moon, and the stars and that sort of thing. But it's a three days ERB love fest. This will be like the third or fourth year we've done. It. I need to go back and do the math. Um, and, uh, would love to have you all join us on online on Facebook at the Facebook discussion group. Love of all things Edgar Rice Burroughs. Go ahead, Scott. Okay, Scott.
2: And uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listening and, and uh, the little points we bring up of where you can get other material. I'd like to point out, uh, I think it's ERB.com. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you like ERB adventures, the uh, uh, online comic strips, the continuations, the serials are out there. Tarzan, Korak, Pellucidar, you know, Jungle uh, Twins. All these characters, uh Bar I am a barbarian, you know. Um if, if you if you enjoy good story writing and and uh illustrative uh, comic art, definitely go out and check out this online, uh, the online comics there. I think yeah, BRB.com, right?
0: They were doing an adaptation of the mucker a few years back, but that kind of fell by the wayside. Like, uh, hopefully yeah. they'll go back to that. It was like Korak, yeah. I know, was <clears throat> fell by the wayside for a few years and then they got another artist to finish it. So I, I hope they go back and finish the Mucker at some point because they have nice, some nice art on that.
2: They so, got a lot of good titles up.
0: They do, and the ones that they that are continuing are are yeah. excellent. So yeah, I, I don't, agree. Yeah. So um, okay, and that is it for tonight. We always appreciate everybody listening, and we will be back again, hopefully before too many months go by for another episode when we recover return when we cover return of the Mucker. Uh, so thank you all.